You're listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I'm Josh Wise. Today, I'm joined on the podcast by ITP senior policy analyst Steve Supan uh, to talk about a blog that he wrote that's up on the site called Bailing Out a Chinese-Owned U.S.-Located Hog Corporation Subsidiary. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. So we've talked about it on here before that, um, you know, the Trump Trump has been um, putting tariffs on a whole host of things, but has uh, uh, specifically targeted China for um, at least $50 billion in tariffs. And uh, because it's been done in kind of a reckless and unplanned fashion, um, the effects on the U.S. farm economy have been fairly profound. As a result, um, the administration has passed this $12 billion aid package to farmers. And um, we're starting to see how that's playing out. So um, let's just do a refresher on what that package is, um, what we're calling it, and um, uh, what's, what has been paid out, or at least what they've announced. So, so formally, the program is called the Trade Mitigation Program. Uh, and there's three parts to it. Uh, the market facilitation program is uh, a payout uh, to the owners of the agricultural commodities affected uh, by the uh, by the retaliatory tariffs from China in response to uh, the U.S. tariffs on on Chinese uh, on Chinese exports. And then there's a uh, a program to buy up uh, U.S. physical commodities, chiefly pork. Um, I think pork accounts for about slightly more than half the total $1.2 billion package. And then there's a couple hundred million dollars for uh, developing new markets. The largest recipient of the trade mitigation program by quite a bit um, is the soybean, uh, soybean landowners who receive uh, 3.6 billion of the first 4.7 billion payout in the market facilitation program. And that, that's half the total program. There's gonna be two payouts uh, in this budget cycle and um, the USDA, the secretary, Sonny Perdue, will determine sometime in, in December after harvest, whether or not uh, uh, they will use the remaining money uh, from the Commodity Credit Corporation uh, loan package to to pay out farmers to pay out to farmers and to buy more uh, uh, agricultural commodities. And the reason that soy is um, such a large portion of the package is because uh, a lot of soy exports go to China specifically for um, as hog feed for the pork industry. Um, uh, so, but in addition to um, payouts going to farmers. Um, Agribusiness is also eligible for payments. And uh, before we get in uh, to Smithfield directly, um, talk about how that works. Well, let me just say one quick thing uh, about the soy payments, um, because the uh, U.S. Uh, Grains Export Council estimates that about uh, $10 billion of, of U.S. soy products, uh, that is soy, soy meal and soy oil uh, go to China um, annually. And so 
you know, a $3.6 billion payout is a very large payout relative to those total sales. Nevertheless, um, that payout affects different farmers differently depending on whether or not they are uh, part of the Chinese supply line. The other thing that's important to note is that um, uh, farmers are actually getting hammered uh, in the market more than what is advertised because the prices that are quoted are those of the Chicago Board of Trade which are quite a bit higher than those um, that USDA records at the local grain elevators. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of discontent among farmers, especially wheat farmers, uh, who believe they've been shortchanged, and those soy farmers who are not in the export pipeline to uh, to China. Um, so I needed I needed to at least uh, kind of outline that series of problems because they're going to continue. Uh, in the second payout. And uh, one last thing to mention is that uh, Secretary Purdue has the authority to tap up to $30 billion out of the Commodity Credit Corporation uh, for future payouts if uh, uh, the Trump administration um, attempt to pressure China into changing its trade practices through a unilateral tariff hit doesn't work. And right now there's no sign that China is going to uh, to come around to the U.S. viewpoints. Right. Okay. So back to, uh, back to the previous question. So how, how are agribusinesses um, making use of the payments, um, right? Because it's not just farmers. It's also, it's also the agribusinesses that can. So when you look at the regulations for the market facilitation program, uh, it states that, you know, the payouts are to go to the owners of the, um, of the agricultural commodities. And in the case of uh, both poultry and hogs, uh, those owners are, the, are, are transnational corporations um, who contract with farmers to, uh, to take all the risk of growing the hogs and growing the poultry. Um, but who have, um, you know, contracts that are, um, you know, tied to uh, the slaughterhouses of these transnational corporations. Now, can you just, can you just explain quickly how, why hogs and poultry are um, different than, than other forms of commodities in terms of that contractual relationship? Because um, I think it's, it's a big issue that, that gets very little attention. So uh, the contract growing has become a way for the slaughterhouses uh, to control the supply and pass off the risk to farmers. Uh, these contracts um, basically stipulate to the farmers everything that they have to do for the corporation. And then uh, it's the corporation that determines the price at which they're willing to buy these um, these raw materials of agricultural exports. Um, so, you know, this last, and during the Obama administration, uh, they proposed a rule that would, uh, among other things, allow farmers to have legal counsel to look at the, um, to look at the grower contracts. And the Trump administration threw that rule out. So, you know, right now you have this long-term, uh, you know, imbalance of power between the corporation that uh, owns the hogs and the, uh, and the farmers who are 
you know, putting up very large sums of cash for the confined animal feed operations, um, you know, for uh, the, the trucking and so on and so forth. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, the, um, these, these transnational corporations, uh, in the terms of the payout uh, from USDA, get those payouts um, and the farmers are still left with the risks that they had prior to, uh, to prior to the payout. Now, with with grain growers, it's different because they don't contract directly. So uh, the difference there is you're going to get a payout if you're a landowner, but not if you're renting land. Um, and that's uh, you know that's a that's a distinction too that needs to be appreciated. Um, the the other, the other, I guess the kind of the backdrop to the China part of this story um, has to do with the Committee on uh, Foreign Investment in the United States, which uh, back in 2013 blessed uh, the sale of Smithfield to Shuanghui, um, a, a very, very large uh, uh, Chinese uh, meat corporation. And uh, um, the merger, the takeover, uh, was uh, renamed the WH Group, and uh, its its headquarters are in in Shanghai. So when Smithfield gets the payouts for these hogs, or for example for uh, uh, you know, any damages to its um, hog slaughter facilities, um, those payments allow the WH Group not to have to spend its money because from a strictly legal viewpoint, uh, Smithfield is still a, it's a U.S. subsidiary of a Chinese corporation. And and let's talk about that relationship. Yeah. Um, so uh, WH Group owns Smithfield. Um, and, um, but you know, this is one of those things that you've talked about before where when Smithfield is um, exporting uh, hogs from the United States, um, they're not really exporting them to be sold on the open market. They're exporting them to uh, the, another subsidiary of the WH group, right? Uh, yes, most likely. Most likely. I mean, there are other importers, but, um, but that would be the most likely importer. So basically, uh, Smithfield is growing uh, uh, U.S. hogs uh, for China, and U.S. farmers are taking all the risks associated with the growing of those hogs Include and then and then of course there are the major environmental and public health risks of the confined animal feed operations and their hog lagoons and that, and the dangers of those uh, uh, were illustrated again uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence. Um, so is is the Smithfield arrangement? Um, is it a, is it a unique situation? Or what's kind of the state of um, how agribusiness in general is um, faring and responding with both the, the, the tariffs and with the, um, the compensation program? Well, uh, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States is, a, uh, is an interagency you know, committee. It has members from the State Department, Defense, um, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and so on and so forth. 
and they are supposed to determine whether or not the sale of a U.S. corporation to a foreign entity uh, endangers the national security of the United States. The definition of national security is very narrow, very militaristic or military defined. And so, uh, you know, basically the committee never thought twice about uh, selling out to, um, uh, to this Chinese party, con- communist party controlled uh, corporation. Uh, nor did they think twice about uh, selling all kinds of uh, beef, hog, and chicken slaughterhouses to the uh, uh, the JDS group in uh, in Brazil. In in neither case did they really do dil- due diligence. Subsequently, we found out that uh, JBS was essentially a criminal organization. Um, I think that was known to certainly known to journalists in Brazil. The, the CEOs are in jail now. If, if anyone's questioning, uh, well, they, they have managed. They have managed to, um, you know, in, un, under the under the uh, outgoing administration in Brazil, um, they um, they've been granted bail, so they are out of jail now. And of course, the incoming administration is a far right administration that would treat them very gently if if election polls are to be predicted. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the takeover of Smithfield is not unique, uh, but there are not uh, a lot of takeovers of that extent in kind. Um, but as a result of the um, failure of due diligence, not just in the agribusiness takeovers, but in the takeovers of other U.S. corporations, uh, the committee is now, you know, redefining its rules and how, how it's going to work. Um, I don't know that they're going to retroactively try to claw back um, uh, the investment because, uh, you know, at the time uh, the committee saw um, selling the agricultural means of production to China as a good way of locking in a market. And obviously that market is no longer locked in. And in fact, uh, with every passing month, um, you know, there's a possibility that China will be uh, not only temporarily sourcing its, uh, its uh, feed grain needs from other countries, uh, but that it, it may become a more permanent arrangement in which the United States will be just one of many uh, sources of feed grains for the China uh, meat industry. So China's developing its own domestic um, pork operations, right? Hog operations. Um, uh, and so in theory, um, as the U.S. kind of is forced to compete more and more in addition to China's domestic production, a lot of these farmers who had invested all of this money kind of being left in the dust, and then uh, we, the taxpayers, kind of left to, to deal with all of the external costs that the, these CAFOs are, are leaving on the landscape and for public health. And it seems like um, uh, the, the aftermath of the hurricane in North Carolina was a really good example of that, right? So, you know, the, the, um, the Farm Bill has 29 different subsidy programs, including uh, subsidies in the environment, um, environmental uh, practices improvement program 
uh, which supports the construction of confined animal feed operations and, uh, and underwrites um, part of the cost of building the hog lagoons. Uh, you know, so uh, there, are, there are multiple sources of, um, of financial support uh, for the owner of the CAFOs. I think there's, in North Carolina alone, there's around uh, uh, 3,000 of these hog lagoons. Fortunately, relatively few were breached uh, in this hurricane, but that certainly doesn't say anything about the uh, viability of um, those hog lagoons in, in future um, in future hurricanes. Um, there's certainly a difference of opinion between the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and NGOs such as Waterkeepers about what constitutes a breach and how many were breached and so on and so forth. But the long-term prospect, especially under the um, do nothing about climate change, deny climate change position of the Trump administration, uh, means that the United States will be you know, less prepared for um, you know, these disasters. And it also means that um, uh, the Trump administration, future administrations will be continuing to uh, pay the costs of the environmental destruction um, and the loss of livestock um, so that, you know, the WH group in, in Hong Kong will not have to pay them. Uh, you know, as long as Smithfield is legally a U.S. subsidiary of uh, the WH group, uh, it's the U.S. taxpayer uh, and not the Chinese taxpayers who's on the hook for, um, you know, the risk and damages of uh, confined animal feed operations and the slaughterhouses. Uh, and then just to close the podcast, uh, talk a bit about the farmer fair practices rule and how uh, people are kind of attempting to make a dent in uh, some of these practices. Well, there are, you know, there are some really outstanding uh, NGOs, especially Rural, um, uh, Rural Advancement Foundation International uh, down in North Carolina, uh, but, but not only them, uh, who are trying to uh, advise uh, farmers of their rights um, in the absence of any support from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to do so. Um, you know, from the viewpoint of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, growing, uh, growing and exporting hogs in this environmentally ruinous matter is just, you know, just good business. And so, uh, you know, to uh, provide to, to allow a rule that would enable farmers to have legal counsel to defend their interests uh, in these really one-sided contractual negotiations where um, Smithfield, for example, or Sanderson or other uh, agribusiness corporations can dictate the growing conditions, dictate what kind of feed will be used, dictate the frequency of um, of uh, veterinary drug applications and so on and so forth. You know, from, from the USDA viewpoint, especially uh, from, you know, Sonny Perdue as an agribusinessman, this is a sound way of uh, producing uh, food and, and agricultural exports, but it's a, very, it's a very dangerous way it'll become more so as climate change takes a toll on agriculture. Um, and the taxpayer has to keep supporting more and more of the agribusiness cost of, of business. All right, well, Steve, thanks a lot for joining me on the podcast today. 
Thank you, Josh. Take care. You've been listening to Uprooted, the podcast from the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. For more on what you've heard today, including to read Steve's blog, Bailing Out a Chinese-Owned U.S.-Located Hog Corporation Subsidiary, you can visit our website at www.iatp.org. I want to remind you this podcast is available for download on Stitcher, iTunes, and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you've liked what you've heard, please give us a positive rating. Thanks for listening.